0: Hey everyone, welcome back to J Kim's Topic uh, with a new episode today on Red Dead Redemption series. So before we start, uh, please don't forget to follow or subscribe me on Spotify, Anchor, or Google Podcasts, or even I think I'm on Apple Podcasts as well. Uh, Don't forget to follow me at JKim's Kim's Topic. And if you want to follow me on Instagram and you haven't yet, uh, you can follow me at Jason underscore Jisoo on Instagram. Jisoo spelled as G-I-S-O-O. And this season we're talking about video games In today's episode it's on Red Dead Redemption the series. In the other episode I said that Assassin's Creed sort of changed the way I view what... I Sort of changed the way how I could approach academia and what I want to talk about or write about or explore you know at school they they gave me a space where discussing the intersection of religion video games was made possible and you know that was fun that 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 made school far more bearable for sure um but it also for me was i got to finally start to apply something theoretical onto something a little more practical which is with video games and pop culture it might seem silly and lighthearted, but you know it the more you explore the more you see a reflection of society or even questioning and providing social commentary when you really start reading between the lines and red dead redemption does that for me uh red dead redemption really challenged my notions of freedom and what does that mean and also it challenged my ideas of i guess overall good and sort of what and also it also Really hit home on obviously on the idea of redemption. The game is built around the idea of redemption. What does redemption mean, and what does that even entail to search or even receive redemption? So, in this episode, I won't talk too much about the video games or the you know some of the more gamer technical stuff because there's a lot. I mean, people are still discovering new things in the video game. Like a few weeks ago, some guy discovered a new cutscene in a mission. In the single player mission, but this cutscene can only be triggered in a very specific way in the middle of another mission. And you know, the, it's been years since the game has come out already, and someone has over, it's only taken what, like four years since the game has come out for someone to come across a cutscene that's been in the game, but it takes a very specific way to trigger it. Okay, all that technical nar- uh, jargon, I'm not gonna like, talk about that, but um, because there's so much of it. Uh, and that'll only be fair to those who've really played the game a lot. But I think what might be appealing to all those who've played the game and not played the game is talk about the story. So obviously, I'll be focusing on the narrative of the video game today. And there's a lot. Alright, So let's start with the story. I'm going to give you a brief summary of both games. And through the summary, I'll highlight the things that I think might be important. But this will just be a brief summary of The entire story of the Red Dead Redemption series. And one important side note. The first game is the sequel. Red Dead Redemption 2 is a prequel. So the overall story, the way it's structured chronologically, is the first game happens later in the story, and then the second game happens before, earlier in the story. If we're thinking about Red Dead Redemption as one single entire story, let's say. So obviously, if I'm going to give you a summary, I'm going to start with the second game, and then move on to the first game, because then I'll be following in chronological order. So the second game, you play as a guy named Arthur Morgan, and you are, I guess, a lieutenant in a Dutch Vanderlyn gang. You are part of a gang of outlaws living in the West, or fictionalized American West, and you... And you start the game in the middle of a snowstorm, and you are escaping from a town, from a failed, from a failed robbery or a failed job. Innocents were killed, and something went awry, and whatever. Uh, you learn more about that throughout the game, but you're running away. And the entire game is literally just your gang being hounded by the Pinkerton Agency, the Pinkerton, which were a real a non-government organization were often hired by the US government to to do the dirty work, chase down these outlaws, bring them to justice or kill them. They were sort of a private police company or private military company. They're not really military. They're more like a private detective company or private police company. They're kind of like that. And the entire game is just uh, you as Arthur Morgan, you are trying to evade. You and your gang are trying to evade capture from the Pinkertons. That's a basic premise. But the story is really more about the interpersonal relationships within the gang. How do they not just survive as a group, but how do they survive as a family, let's say. Because they really do see themselves as family members. You know, you have each other's back. You have no one else. It's us versus the world. You know, there's no rules in the West. You know, it's lawless. So you have to rely on those you trust. Okay, so yeah, long story short, basically the, the gang has like a camp that's always usually that's usually camped, not too far from a city, and they move from camp to camp because they're following you know these, these rackets to make money, right? You know the criminals at the end of the day. But this is but what makes the game interesting is that you're not just following a you know bunch of, outlaws doing outlaw stuff in the old American West, but what you're really following is an important time in. I guess American history, or in this fictionalized America, although, you know, this is obviously mirroring very real historical events. But this happens during a time when the West was being civilized, that the the American West was no longer this limitless wild expanse of uncharted, dangerous land that is only trekkable by indigenous people, really. And but now it's a time when private ranchers are purchasing this land from the government that major companies and corporations are moving in to you know mine coal or mine for oil or what have you or set aside a lot of pasture land for cattle raising and also you know killing off the buffalo so you know this land is becoming empty essentially, and people are moving in and using it and so you have a bunch of outlaws that for the longest of time have been operating in a lawless world and now they're coming into contact with the civilized east that are co- and assist and this civilized east is getting closer and closer closer to the west and almost engulfing the west so now you're in a very unstable time to be a criminal that <laughs> this is pretty much it this is the most unstable time to be an outlaw criminal in the west so the stress is high the stress is very high for, for these guys and and you see this stress set upon the characters they get tired over the course of the game they get angry at each other one you can see her alcoholism throughout the game at first she's happy she only drinks to party and at the end of the game when things get sad you just see her defeated drunk and just like you don't know what happens to her um, sorry that was really sad but <laughs> but you know this this that's kind of the what this game is. It's it's giving you all these little moments and when you sit there and really take it in, you're like, "Oh, wow. This game is um it's becoming more of a sad documentary, interactive documentary, but it's still a fantastic game. I I should not be working in a marketing department of Rockstar. That's for sure. <laughs> Come play this sad game that's yet still very fun. Um but it's actually really not that sad. It it's it's that's where the game becomes interesting because as you play Arthur Morgan throughout the game, as the game applies, is a story of redemption. And Arthur Morgan struggles with this idea of himself as a... Is he a genuinely a good person or a bad person? Early in the game, he always kind of talks about himself as either principle. It's like, oh, you know, I'm a savage. You know, I'm a criminal. I'm a bad man. I've done this. I've done that. I've killed many people. you know, all You know, all these things. All these... Sort of criminal humble, humble brag. but as he's saying these things, he—you can kind of tell that he is not just a bad person because throughout the game he writes in his journal, and he also draws in his journal. He's a true artist. He—he—he's his sketches on like of animals and plants are amazing. Sometimes in the game, let's say you hunt an animal, and then at some point in the game, it'll just say journal updated, and it'll be a drawing of an animal that you've probably just seen in passing or that you've been staring at because you've been hunting it for a while, it'll just be added to your journal. It's kind of cool, and the drawings are really well done. Very, they look very authentic. But when you look at what he writes, you see a very thoughtful person who takes a lot of time in thinking, He contemplates and ponders sort of his existential existence and being on this planet. This guy's a very profound man. His vocabulary might be limited, but what he's feeling is unlimited, really. I'd be... Really interested in meeting a guy like that, but at the same time very intimidated knowing the things that a guy like him has seen That's how good the writing it is in this game is that you become attached to these characters uh, You become not just sympathetic, but even empathetic because when you play them for X amount of hours You're not just playing John You've be, kind of become one with John Marston or, or Arthur Morgan rather John Marston's for later in these turbulent times the gang's going through a lot of stress uh, a lot of people, or, um, no, let's rephrase that. There's a lot of sension in the gang. One of the characters, for example, Micah, he's sort of the new guy in the gang, but he quickly establishes himself as, um, an unsavory character. He's just the worst. He's terrible. He's just, uh, like, ugh. he, like, he makes just the worst comments all the time. And he's just a negative energy, really negative. He... Doesn't when He's the kind of guy, he's, I guess, what we call an agent of chaos. He sees chaos and he sees opportunity. And during these turbulent times, not just in the world they live in, but also within the gang, he found a time to take power. And so he would take advantage over people's weaknesses or points of tension within the gang. He wouldn't manipulate that to benefit him and put himself higher in the ranking. So... Arthur Morgan's constantly just like kinda low-key competing with this guy who is really conniving and... Just to keep this streamlined, I'm only gonna talk about the characters that I think were interesting or worth noting in relation to this story. So for this episode, some of the characters that I think are important to mention and keep it brief is, or worth talk about is Dutch, Micah, Hosea, John Marston, his wife Abigail, and Jack Marston, and along with Arthur Morgan. There are other characters like Lenny and Charles that I found really you know, fascinating. The dialogue between Arthur Morgan and Charles are some of the most memorable conversations that are the most interesting conversations I found in the game because these were genuine conversations that two thoughtful people would have if they spent time in the wilderness. Sometimes they're not just thought- they're not thoughtful, but they're just you know on topic as in they're talking about what's happening in the moment, but still, it's it's worth noting, because those are s- some of the moments that I find the game, I find some of the writing, uh, no, that's those are the moments where it tells you more about the characters, you learn more about them, it's more of a genuine reaction, if you will, from the characters. The gang splits up. Uh, John Marston and his wife, they, they run away. Uh, they run away with Charles. They they just, you know, they run away from the gang. They said, okay, we're gonna leave this life behind. They, you know, they get out, they get out of here. Arthur Morgan fights Micah, because you know, they have this long standing beef. They fight he fights him and he ends up dying. Micah and Dutch run away with um with all of the gang's money that they kept saying that was they kept saying that all that money was lost or it was safely hidden somewhere for the interests of the gang when in fact Dutch had been hiding and keeping it for himself this entire time. But they were also running away because the Pinkertons were closing in on killing them and pretty much destroying the entire gang. So under the stress of interpersonal beef within the gang and then external pressures from, you know, the government, they had to run away. So Dutch, along with Bill Williamson, Javier Escuela, and Dutch and Micah they all got they all got away those were some of the poor characters that, that ran off and they lead into the second game and so the game ends with Arthur Morgan dying but what makes the game interesting is that depending how you play the game as uh, what they call a honor system so if you do a lot of crime you have low honor if you do a lot of good deeds and help people out you, you get high honor and both games come with uh, both high honor and low honor comes with its own perks and benefits or uh, consequences which also feeds into the whole redemption thing of the game is that are you a good person? So the game kinda ends with Arthur Morgan also rating on how you played throughout that game. Did you play with high honor or low honor? And depending on that, you get a slightly different cutscene. So if you play with low honor, the game ends with a wolf retreating into a cave and it's raining and thunder shower. Sad. That's just like so fucking depressing. And but yeah, that's just that's just so depressing or if you finish a high honor uh, you see a stag like a deer with beautiful antlers in the for in the forest with a sun rising and it's all nice colors warm colors it's like yeah you're going to heaven kind of attitude so the game really hones in on that whole redemption thing it's like what did you do in this life you know like uh, did you lead a good one or a bad one within the game so it's kind of implying there in that game when you play it So how Arthur Morgan's story ends as a good person, bad person is totally up to you. But his story ends by you know tragically dying in the hands of his arch rival. Then the game sort of fast forwards a few years later and you play as John Marston uh, towards the end of the game. And John Marston in this instance is trying to settle in and become a legitimate person, have a legitimate life, live life as a rancher. He figured that maybe trying his hand at ranching would be the move and he finally ends up becoming a rancher and Peach. Uh, Beecher's Hope, I think it's called. Yeah, Beecher's Hope. So he's trying to go legit. And there's a funny moment in the game where he takes out a loan from the bank, takes out a loan from the bank, which should be making ears perk if you're a criminal. And when he signs a contract with the uh, with the bank, the banker says something and it's so typical of Rockstar. He says, Now we own you, Mr. Marston. You're officially an American citizen. That is super on the nose of or rockstar, you know, social commentary, if you will. But the game really ends where John Marston's compelled to go out and find and kill Micah. So John Marson uh, hooks up again with former gang members Charles and uh, Sadie Adler, who Sadie Adler has now become a, a bounty hunter. And she got a tip that Micah was still out and about on top of this mountain. And the game ends with this epic shootout. You you know fight your way through a mountain and you find... You find Micah, and then you end in a a Mexican standoff between you, Micah, and uh, Dutch. Game finally ends when Micah dies, Dutch decides to just give up, and he sort of runs away from the problem, essentially. And Dutch leaves all of his money behind uh, for John to take, and John takes it, which I think in the game was like $40,000. Which probably at that time would have been like $40 $40 million. And that's how the first game ends. But then in the end credits, there are cutscenes in the end credits, and you see the Pinkerton agents following John Marson's trail. And then the credits end with the Pinkerton agents, who have now become the FBI or the FIB, the Federal Investigations Bureau. I think in the game they're called FIB or something like that. And then they finally catch up to John Marson's house, and that's where the second game, Red Dead Redemption 2, ends. Now we lead into Red Dead Redemption 1. Uh which happens after that credits. John Marston has been arrested and now he's been brought back to his he's been brought back to the west or to Blackwater. And he was tasked by the government to track down his former gang members, have them arrested or killed, and then he'll be set free essentially. That was his job. It was like, you do this for us, we'll let you go and you could finally live your life away from us. Long story short, he delivers. He you explore the world and you get the former gang members, Bill Williamson, Javier Escuela. You go into Mexico and get Javier Escuela. Then you finally catch up to Dutch Vanderlyn, you know, your former boss. And he created this new gang with the indigenous people that were living in reservations and who were angry with the government. So Dutch kind of was setting up this sort of revolutionary gang, if you will, that was anti government and anti, you know, everything. In the end, you defeat him. And job is done. And then the government releases your family. And they release you. And you get to live on your ranch again as John Marston. But life as a rancher is cut short for him. It turns out the government had different plans for him. They showed up and they killed John Marston. He is killed by the government. And I. the rationale, I, I don't remember exactly why they killed him. But I... I think the game was implying that any old remnants of a lawless West cannot be remembered. They need to be eliminated because that's, I suppose, it's just a component of instability that will still be out there that, I guess, would bother people. Or he will, he is also evidence of, like, government intimidation or government coercion, if you will. So he had to be eliminated. And then a few years later, Abigail, his wife, passes away. and is left to Jack, who is now a young man, assuming he's, like, 18, 19. And he's left alone in the world and the game ends with you playing as Jack Morrison tracking down I guess the main bad guy on the on the uh, government side who is like this F uh, this FBI agent who was also in the second game who was who was a former Pinkerton agent who now became a FIB agent and the game ends with Jack Morrison you find him and you kill him and it's funny because that's an overlap with the second game because the first time that Jack Marston ever met that uh, government guy, that G-man, he was fishing with Arthur Morgan. And now, you know, fast forward, let's say 10 years later, he find he meets him again for the second time while he, you know, while in the context of fishing and you know, the game game was quite clever with that. So that's how the first game, uh, Red Dead Redemption ends. The first game the story is quite straightforward but you have to play it to really understand the characters and really understand the motivation of who they are but you know this episode's not really focusing on the characters but it's focusing on the themes I was constantly hitting home on the, on this thing of uh the lawless West is over you know and this game is really hitting on that it's like the lawless West is over but what does that mean what comes in that void and the more I thought about it and the more I looked at the story or even replayed the game you can separate the game into two different sections an eastern and western people would say oh this is a western cowboys deserts you know shootouts you know comancheros and whatever fighting and you know all that fun stuff all that pew pew pow pow but the definition of western is pretty much uh, a righteous person coming into an on. Un- ruling environment and trying to establish some order over this chaos you know try to get some peace and harmony but Red Dead Redemption the game is about avoiding that that's what the entire game is the entire game is how do you avoid this civilizing component of the east that says it's freedom but it's really not freedom it's imposing laws it's imposing it's it's not freedom it's imposing that's kind of how the game presents civilization and cities and urban areas you know, in stark contrast from the openness of the of the prairies. So the game's not necessarily a western. But it could kind of be an Eastern. Uh Eastern is by definition a it's kinda of like departed. The departed is an Eastern. All those cop films in like New York City and Boston were there's corruption within the system or the system is rigged and someone's trying to bring justice to it kind of like the wire you know if you watch the wire it's cops trying to be cops and doing their job and bring justice and arrest people even if that means arresting politicians and at that point of show when they find the money is going to politicians the system pushes back that's an eastern you know you're fighting the system from within and the system is corrupt and self-interested and Red Dead Redemption seems to be more of an Eastern and a Western setting. That's what it seems like. You could argue this, but let's, let's try to separate it again. Because to me, what it seems to, ha- what seems to be happening is Western and Eastern could be separated based on the perspective of the characters. So let's divide the characters into teams, let's say. Arthur Morgan and John Marston and all of his gang are on one side. The governed people on the other side. So, let's start with the government perspective. The government perspective of the situation would be one of of a Western. They see this land as lawless. You have all these criminal components running around, uh, making it difficult for law-abiding citizens to settle in an unruly land to make this truly, you know, a part of the American country. You know, manifest destiny, use the land for farming, cultivate animals. Indigenous people weren't using it right, so we got to do it for them. it was that kind of mentality. And even the all the white people are not respecting the laws they must be eliminated this is for good Christian people it was that kind of thinking so it's pretty straightforward simple and I mean objectively speaking that is the thing you should be doing is eliminating violence and creating peace and harmony and a and a fluid system that everyone could abide by and live by harmoniously you know democracy I suppose and that's from the perspective of the authorities, and that will be classified as a Western. What their job is doing, establishing order and peace, and that's what Western—that's what Westerns are. But if you look at it from the perspective of the characters, throughout the game, whenever they make mention to cities, they always cringe and they hate it. They're like, ugh, it's dirty, it's nasty, why do you want to be here? In the game, whenever a character is going to the city, they're reminded of, as to what they don't like. They're like, this is what we're trying to run away from. And then when you look at the, ki- the history of the characters, that's sort of been their life is running they that's all they've been doing is running in pursuit for a better life they sought solace in the west because they thought they can make it out there and actually become someone or get stuck and lost in this you know uh, in the maze of the east of of civilization of industry and where nothing is clear or well-defined and you know whatever or everything is well-defined and it's just impossible to operate in Like for example, Arthur Morgan, Dutch Vandalin, the leader of the gang, says, "You know, they found they found him on the street when he was thirteen or fourteen. I think they said they found him in a city, or that's what they seem to be implying, if I remember correctly." But same with uh, same with most of the characters, they were found in cities or in somewhat urban areas, and they looked to the west for freedom. You know, they thought if you go out there through your own will and through your own ability can you make it and sometimes in the east when the system seems to be corrupt working against you doesn't matter how good you are you're just not gonna make it out and that's and that's where the game sort of comes at the crossroads and is that they viewed the west they viewed the wild west as like this boundless land of opportunity and when you look more at the gang and how they live on the west it's almost similar to how indigenous people were. You know, I just finished reading a book on the Comanches. And I was reading also other books on um, indigenous myth and folklore uh, of, of North America. And especially the book on the Comanche. That was a book that Joe Rogan had. That Joe Rogan brought in the author and talked about it on his podcast. And I decided to read the book. And I finished it the other day. And it's a very good book. I understand why. I understand why he liked it I understand why people like this book It's one of those stories that you don't hear a lot of And it's a very honest account It's not trying to make any necessary judgment It's just, you know, I think he you know, he's a journalist He's trying to report what he saw, what he did research on And you know, it's just it's interesting to see how the gang views freedom And their life in the West And it's sort of the overlap, how indigenous people view their world In contrast to the industrialized East you know, it, it's this idea of literally boundless physical freedom to do whatever you want, move wherever you want. No one tells you that you can't go here, you can't go there, you can't do this, you can't do that. You you know, you do you. you. You could literally just be out there in the prairies, you know. First time I went to Alberta, I I couldn't get enough of the amount of boundless freedom that I physically was experiencing, although there were fences within my eyesight. But it's just the idea of that you just... Those fences away, and then that's it. That's all you know, that's everything. You know, that's nothing to stop you. And it's, um, and it seems like that idea is really resonates strongly with the characters. Yeah, but that makes sense. The West provided the only solution and solace to their problem. And I guess, similar to indigenous people, they you know, indigenous people moved from water source to water source or following food source primarily are following seasonal flows, but this gang move around the prairies for, you know, criminal rackets. Essentially, both groups are moving for opportunities to ke- keep them going for their lives, you know. And with these criminals, it's done through criminal activity. But but also, they. this is their way of, of surviving, I guess. You know, I mean, if you if you don't have that much opportunities where you're initially from, you'll find any way to make it anywhere. And I guess this gang resorted to, you know, resorted to robbery mainly. And the main thing this gang does is, uh, is robbery. But later on, as we knew, they were they were quashed. Keep in line with being in a Western, you know, in order to establish order, you have to destroy any single element that will undermine that kind of order. So unfortunately, all those who died in the gang were, you know, that was part of the solution they had to die but in the game they seem to imply perhaps even maybe that's my interpretation that there is a solution in getting rid of a corrupted systems that we find in the eastern context in the game it's either well the game seems to imply rather is that it's through evasion, destruction or acceptance can you really find a solution to the problems of an eastern so through evasion, I we said all these characters ran away from cities to try to make it on their own in a new environment. Destruction. When you play the game and you get to Saint Denis, the biggest city in the game, you leave the city almost completely destroyed. You 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 rob the biggest bank. You cause explosions. You kill the biggest mob in the in the city. Um, you do extortion rackets for the mayor. You do all these crazy stuff, and you leave the city completely in like. And shock and trauma, if you will. To me, when I see that, I'm like, oh, they've just completely subverted the system. They That's that's one way of doing it is total anarchy if you want to go against a corrupt system. But that leaves with significant consequences. They almost died while doing that. So proceed with caution. and Or don't do it at all, rather. Or the last option, which is acceptance. I'd be like John Marston and take out a loan and become an American bank become an american bank i mean become owned by the american bank so that being said <clears throat> when you really put i guess the definition of a western story or narrative an eastern narrative one of establishing order and chaos and one establishing justice in a corrupt system when i see those two overlap in this game it brings into question of what is freedom what is what does that mean when you look at the history of the United States, it prides itself of being, you know, land of the free, home of the brave. So the game sort of reveals the irony of freedom. You know, those who sought the boundless west from a corrupted world only experienced a taste of, I guess, the truest freedom. You know, these characters did not live a full life, did not live full lives. You know, it seems like when you live I wouldn't say recklessly, but if you live limitlessly in a limitless expanse of land where anything could be done, well, not anything, but they didn't live a long life. But if you, when you really see how they live every day, I mean, when you read books, and I've read a few books about the West, and I'm not an expert or anything, but I'm just saying it, I have an idea how difficult it was. Constantly working, your body's constantly under stress. You could die from, if you're not dying from the weather, you're dying from other people. If you're not dying from other people, you're dying from animals, and it's not for nothing that early in American history, white people were terrified of the open sea of you know the sea of grass. They got lost, and indigenous people just plucked them out because you know it was easy. I guess the model of living a truly free life is you live a fun life, but not a long one, and I guess that comes down to what you value but then when you go back to freedom what does what does it mean to be free then i mean you have you even have historical accounts or even according to this game so what does it mean to be free according to this game because the more i think about it i could just be overthinking it and going down a rabbit hole but If you look at just those two definitions of a Western and Eastern, you put it together in this game, it's telling you more of what does freedom really mean? Because the game gives you two tastes of freedom. You have this economic freedom that you could live in a city, that you see people, you know, like living lavishly whatnot, and living relatively stress free. Or you could be out there living a physically, even mentally stressful life. Well, in the city is definitely stressful, but you're your own. You're no one's boss, technically. No one's your boss, technically. You, thats It's on you. That is up to you. You do whatever you want. And, you know, like I said, that's freedom. I've been saying this throughout the entire episode. It's really that simple. And the game is... Seems to be presenting the two in contrast. What do you want? What does it really mean to be free? And... And like I said earlier, perhaps following the Jesus model of sacrifice, you know, sacrificing the few of the truest form so that everyone could at least get a taste of what you had. It's kind of like being a parent, I guess. Sacrificing your luxury and the life that you wanted so your kid could perhaps have it. But who knows? Uh, it's, a, it's a game that... A lot of people call it a masterpiece for gameplay, graphics, art, and everything. But as someone who enjoys good narrative and good story, this is these two games were are just fantastic. I encourage everyone to play it or even watch someone play it on YouTube. But anyway, so far in the podcast, it, it it's obvious I'm a fan of these games, but I'm a fan of it not because it's I mean, obviously it's very entertaining, but I'm a fan of it because of how it makes you Experience the game in its totality through gameplay, storytelling, you know, art or whatever. You know, it really encourages you to sit there and also pay attention to 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 the writing. I, I think the game, the writing of this game, is really good, and I hope that those who may not know much about video games that you get into video games and you explore these worlds. It's like getting all the details of a book and the visual experience of a movie put in together except you get to direct the characters in that book. You know, you that's I don't think people see video games as that. And if you start seeing video games, especially single player video games in that fashion, you'll have so much fun. Who cares about what other people say? You do you, enjoy video games even if you're even even if you never played soccer, go out there and try it. You'll have a new experience and it's worthwhile. So again, Thank you for listening. Uh, Don't forget to follow and subscribe me on uh, Anchor and other podcast streaming services like Spotify or Google Podcasts. Follow me on J Kim's. Thank you for listening. From Montreal, my name is Jason Kim, and this was J Kim's topic. Thank you.